Hello, this is Dr. Shiva. Welcome to our podcast, Get Educated or Be Enslaved. Episode 1291, air date August 9th, 2023. Misinformation, misdirection. Right, so we really, I mean, I thought one of the things that we really want to talk about is, you know, I think when I was looking at your questions, you know, a different way to look at it, what is really citizenship and who's actually a patriot anymore? Because um, when you put all the kinds of questions you guys wanted to talk about, it really comes down to what is citizenship, right? Um, and a larger scope of things, you know. Um, and I think it'll get into all these reasons why I'm running. You know, the fact I'm a naturalized citizen, should a naturalized citizen be able to run? The law says you can. But also this whole thing with censorship and the p- people claiming they're fighting censorship, to me, they're the ones who sat on all of this in 2020 when we were exposing the fundamental issues with the censorship infrastructure. So you have this entire um, psychological operation that's being run by people like uh, Matt Taibbi, uh, this guy Schellenberger, a whole, whole motley crew of people who are revealing to people only a tip of the iceberg, and they're doing that to conceal all of our findings from 2020s. So they're not really patriots, including this guy, Fucker Carlson. He's one of the worst. So I don't know where you guys want to start. Well, he's well, a I mean, billionaire. Doesn't that make him trustworthy? What's that? Isn't that how it works? <laughs> Isn't his association through the billionaire marriages that he's made and the various different like intelligence asset kind of roles that he's played make him a trustworthy individual? Please tell us more about uh, the swarm and, and the nightmare convergence that has come to befall us all. Yeah, I think when you use the word swarm about, was it about two months ago, um, you know, that swarm video got around 30 to 40 million views where people downloaded and started sharing it in spite of all the shadow banning that took place. But I think when I when you look at the swarm, um, when I did that whiteboard diagram, it was, you know, with this simple blue ink magic marker on a whiteboard. Mm-hmm. But it, it really is the consolidation, probably about 50 years of work to be able to do that. Um, it You know, it's a very deep diagram because you can keep looking at it over and over again. It has system science in it. It has the linkages to both freedom, truth, and health, and how the system dynamics works. But I think one of the things people need to understand is that uh, for far too long, um, there has been obviously the left and the right that's promoted. Hey, John, can you get me a new copy of this? Print one out. Um, So we have the left and right narrative, which uh, people are starting to realize is nonsense. But there's another much more subtler one is the obvious and the not so obvious establishment, which I've consistently wanted to educate people on. So you have the obvious of you literally take a, you know, a a grid and you put left and right on the um, X axis, on the Y axis, you put obvious establishment and not so obvious establishment. So in the bottom quadrant, you'll have the left not so obvious and the right not so obvious. And obviously on the top, you'll have the left obvious establishment and the right obvious establishment. And typically the obvious establishment was used for many, many years to just, you know, completely just um, pummel people. So on the right, you had people like the Bushes, right? The Bush family or the McConnells on the, or, or, you know, you can even look in other countries. And on the left, you had um, the Clintons, right? Or uh, the Pelosi's. But the establishment has realized that people are awakening uh, to this left-right divide and they're awakening to them. So they have 
starting probably in the 1930s to 50s, they engineered the concept of the not-so-obvious establishment in a much more formal way. And they literally started promoting certain individuals, and they would all say the right things, mimic the right words, you know, taken from true bottoms-up movements. And those people, you know, on the left today are people like Bernie Sanders, right, or Robert F. Kennedy. And on the, or I'm sorry, on the left, and on the right, it's people like Trump, right? Uh, the Tea Party, uh, the Jim Jordans, the Tom Masseys. And these people say the right things, act like they're fighting against the establishment, but they're wholly part of the establishment. And they exist, so, so the obvious, the not so obvious establishment exists to ensure that the other eight billion people um, keep giving our power to think something's gonna come from them. And this has been a very, very powerful way of manipulating people. And, and um, the academics are part of this, right? So when I did that swarm diagram, I wanted to first of all let people understand who is their think tank. It's not only one person, it's not like the Rothschilds, or it's not like, you know, X race of people. They've become a very, very interesting telepathic swarm. It includes the 100, you know, university presidents um, all over the world. It includes, you know, the top 100 hedge fund managers. It includes, um, uh, you know, the main agents in Hollywood who control who makes it and who doesn't. Um, and, and, and a whole whole set of people, you know, the heads of the major central banks. And all of these people are a swarm because they're probably on everyone's cell phones. They more than likely go to the same parties. They probably uh, have uh, banged the same set of people, you know. Uh, it's a very actually an incestuous crowd. But they're front-ended to the public, they don't see these people. They see the obvious politicians, the obvious establishment politicians, and now they have the not so obvious. And today it's the Kennedys and the Trumps and so on. And that education is what I wanted to do with that video. And when you look at that swarm, in systems theory we would call it the controller, the quote unquote brains of the system. And that brain is making decisions using that front end of the obvious and not so obvious to pummel inputs into this system of the 8 billion people. And what do they pummel into us? The inputs they pummel into us are propaganda, obviously, right? False heroes. And they have also gotten into normalizing um, events that they create out of, out of this process. So they hit us with this false propaganda. They give us their false heroes. Um, and those things are ultimately leveraged to make sure these 8 billion people, the system, the output of that right, is the output that they seek is people becoming more fat, dumb, and happy. But more importantly, people be, becoming divided and reliant back on them to look for their leadership to save them from this. And that's why the not-so-obvious establishment, and that's why I'm so critical about the not-so-obvious establishment, that's what I use a lot of very important curse words to uh, describe them, because it's really to disengage people's neural networks, which have been fossilized, into thinking these people are going to save us. And you can see it right now, even the so-called people who are semi-anti-establishment, like a Mike Adams, is still promoting fucking Robert F. Kennedy, right? And you see, but the good news is that a whole bunch of people are breaking from this because people are recognizing, wait a minute, Dr. Shiva was the one in 2020 who called out Fauci first. He's the one who spoke out against the lockdowns. He's the one who exposed the censorship infrastructure. And he's always been seeing the future because he took the systems approach. And even though I was banned on Twitter for two years, 
when we came back, you saw Elon Musk in many ways try to bribe me. Meaning when I first came back on, I did this tweet, said, Elon, why don't I become your CEO? That got like 20 million views. And then I started saying, hey, are you going to remove the backdoor portal I discovered? My views went from 500,000 to 300,000 to 100,000 to maybe 5,000 views. So, but that entire process has been very educational um, because people are saying, wait a minute, this is a guy who did all this work. Why are you fucking promoting Kennedy? Why are his views going like this? Why is, um, you know, none of these people who follow Dr. Shiva Rogan um, interviewing him? And it's a very, very good process because the more they try to make what I do invisible, it's awakening people because we had the 2020 opportunity where there was a window of opportunity to get a lot of this stuff out. So, well, sir, do, uh, I, they're wonderful points. Do you feel as if the not so obvious establishment is also sort of an insulative buffer for the blowback that the people who are ultimately responsible for this on a deeper level might receive as the population comes to understand the magnitude of the crimes that they've been on the receiving end of? What do you mean by blowback? Explain that. Well, what I mean is if you elongate this, the uh, deep state continuity of government has a propensity for false flags, be they creating like Project Gladio style kind of terrorist events, uh, any number of different 9-11 sort of uh, phenomena that they can then use as, a, use as a catalyst to create the world that they want moving into the future. So that would also mean that they'd orient a lot of basically crash test dummies to be out front of any potential blowback from the emergence of the long-standing coup d'etat of the United States and how at this point we're basically just a criminal enterprise anymore. Well, look, the those in power are very clever in the sense um, this is one of the things they do to, I think I can answer your question this way. If they see a true leader coming bottoms up, grassroots, one of the things they do is they co-opt those people. And Kennedy does this all day long. If you look at his quote unquote medical freedom movement, there was a woman, for example, who was doing a lot of good work in um, Australia, a Samoan woman. He went and took over her organization. So to the outward public, she was bottoms up, you see? He takes her over and then the organization essentially just disappears. So they have a way of recruiting people who actually may be sincere but quite naive of these dynamics, if that's what you're asking. Um, and they may put those people out there, um, you know, as essentially, like you say, crash test dummies. But I think the more fundamental issue that's facing, you know, that's much more easier to understand is, and I want to give a couple examples of this, is that the the wings of the two wings of the establishment are suckering in ultimately working people by dividing them so one wing of the working people you know wants you know to have a better life right they work hard they truly believe in real workers rights you know like they should get paid a, paid a fair wage um, etc so that's one wing what you may call the left wing the right wing is typically has these people who talk about country and Jesus Christ and evangelicals. I don't get, I'm being very broad about this, right? But ultimately, the, the, these diverse, seemingly diverse aspects of the working populace, and you can attribute, you can even put this to India, right? Or any other world, you have people who may promote the Hindu right, who, you know, because a lot of people are very Hindus in India, right? And then you have people who are, let's say, truly for workers' rights. So both wings here have made sure that these two elements do not unite and build a bottoms-up movement. And that's what we have to keep the eye on the prize on because any time that a truly organic 
not genetically modified, um, movement has come. Um, it has really sh shook the world. So it occurred in the 1800s in the United States, right? It occurred in the early 1900s, led by women and men who uh, came bottoms up in these true organic trade union movements. And those movements scared the hell out of the elites. And so, and they, and they made significant gains for masses of people. If you have, you know, some workers' rights, if you have, um, you know, uh, clean water, you know, some infrastructure, those were reforms that the elites threw as bones to quiet down those movements. And as I've talked about before in the 50s, what happened was the elites came together and they said, shit, we can never have these bottoms up movements. So what they did was they cut off the legs of those bottoms up movements through one technology, which is branding all of them, psychological technology as Marxist, communist, being run you know, with the hammer and sickle must be behind them. Not that you could actually have people throughout the world believing in Workers Unite. It's not something Karl Marx owns. And con so the right wing's goal for the establishment was to call all of these movements Marxist, you know, communist, socialist, da 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 da. And most of these idiots haven't even read any of those works, so they just brand them. And then the left was uh, used, the left, you know, establishment like the Kennedys of the time, or the you know the Jimmy Hoffas or this Bernie Sanders. They were used to take over these bottoms up movements. And so by the 1970s, you had the complete destruction of any type of bottoms-up movement. People were fearful of truly building movements. They would be branded a communist or a Marxist. And then the union bosses took over these movements. So the, the focus here is to recognize that those in power do not want self-organizing, decentralized bottoms-up movements because they can't control them. They don't want a guy like me who came from this that world and didn't sell out. And this is very, very dangerous to them. And particularly if we self-reflect and we figure out what they actually did and you start educating people, this becomes even more dangerous that must be suppressed and made invisible. And that's what we're seeing right now in 2023, literally occur before people's eyes. And the only way out of this is to go offline. Let me share with you, you know, I'll be on the ground next week um, you know, just, this is a flyer. Now, why do I bring up, this is old school. This is 1920 style. The only difference is it's got a QR code on it. And um, look at how simple we made it. I, you know, I used, to, I used to love distributing this in the mornings, even as a teenager, flyers like these. But it says the lesser of two evils is killing your children. You know, it's got our branding. But more importantly, it makes it very simple for people to understand that graph, that, that your child's lifespan will be shorter than yours. The red uh, graph, the red line right here, is the U.S. lifespan going down. And it's not because of the vaccine. That's just one part of it. It's been occurring since 1980. And the other graph here is other industrialized nations, which are also going to follow the U.S. pattern. So in a very simple flyer, we're educating people, look what's going on. This is not the left or the right, but the obvious and the not so obvious establishment since 1980 have destroyed your lifespan. Your child is going to live less than your lifespan, right? You're, you're, now, this is a very simple piece of data. It's what you would call in business a KPI, a key performance indicator. So you have this one number, which is going like this. It doesn't matter what anything else people talk about. If you take that one number and you say, well, how did we get to that one number? Now, people might try to say, oh, it's a vaccine. Well, part of it. But it goes way before that. It goes to a, a system of interconnected policies. 
policies which created massive income inequality. It, it's a policies that created things like um, Obamacare. It's a system of policies where you poison the food in the air. It's a system of policies you created so much stress for the individual that they can't even sustain their lives anymore. Um, and these many, many lockdowns, right? So go back to 2020. Lockdown was a policy. Trump supported it. Fauci supported it. And Booby F. and Kennedy supported it. Well, that policy directly affected people's biology. And as a system scientist, I can go down to the micro level, at the molecular systems level, and I can show, oh yeah, your body at a you know, microscopic level, there are four pathways that support your immune system and the aging processes, mitochondrial respiration, right? Uh, oxidative stress, the development of ATGs, autophagy, right? Which is very important for your body. And inflammation. So if I went and I did a zoom and I could show you, and this is what I do, you know, with the full-time job, I do cytosolve, you know, all the molecular pathways involved in supporting mitochondrial respiration, all the molecular pathways involved in your body automatically detoxes, or cause you know, supporting ox or things that cause oxidative stress or inflammation, which are not good things. So if you just take these four major molecular systems, these molecular systems are directly affected by a policy that some jackass decided to implement on behalf of the elites, lockdowns. Lockdowns directly influence oxidative stress. Lockdowns directly influence inflammation. Lockdowns directly contributed uh, to lowering of NAD plus mitochondrial respiration. In fact, lockdowns also affected, you know, autophagy, right? So this policy of lockdowns literally killed people. So you can talk about Fauci, but Trump supported lockdowns. So did fucking Kennedy. And so, you have to look at what they did in 2020, which was a very important time. But that policy directly affected these biological pathways, which affected, these are the four most important biological pathways of the immune system, which are directly related to aging. So when I show you this graph, I can tell you from as a system scientist, this was by design. Oh yeah. Right? And that's what people need to understand. But this wasn't done by Trump or Bush, or it was done by all of them. And this, notion of connecting a meta system what occurs at the political level down to the biological level is what i've been able to do you know during the lockdowns you'll see i did a whole video, set of videos called loneliness is a molecule how when you're locked down your body will upregulate all these inflammatory uh, genes and will downregulate genes that actually produce antivirals in your own body so so when you look at that then you have to say, you know, what, what is citizenship and what's a real patriot? Fuck Trump, what did he do? He's not a real patriot. He's not a real citizen. He didn't serve the citizens of the United States. So I wanna take this broader thing, when you look at this, what does citizenship mean? And the reason this is important, it's come up in my campaign for president. Hey, you're not a, you're not a uh, natural born citizen, so I've had to educate a bunch of people. Wait a minute, that was article two Section 1, Clause 5 of the Constitution was written in 1787, and they never define natural born. Now, the 14th Amendment comes, and we say naturalized citizen, natural born cannot be differentiated. We also have the First Amendment and the political process arguments. So my run for president is asserting the fact, not only at a legal level, hey, I have every right to not only be president, but run for president. And the natural born clause has, was never defined, 
and everyone forgets the 14th Amendment. But then it brings up this much more philosophical question, what does it really mean to be a citizen now in the United States? You could be quote-unquote natural born, which is again never defined, and be a Joe Biden who sells out the country to Ukraine, or you could be a Trump who sells it out to him and his family and whatever deals that they do. Jared Kushner sells out the country to Saudi Arabia. So, so that clause was created because they were afraid kings would have children who would take over the United States. Well, natural born, <laughs> natural born, quote unquote, natural born citizens have sold out the United States. And you saw it right in the lockdowns, right? Who was truly a citizen? I would say I was a true patriot and a citizen. I used all the knowledge that I gained from coming to the United States. I exposed Fauci at the right time, not waited a year and a half to write a book and you know plagiarize material. We exposed the lockdowns, we exposed the election systems at the right time. And so to me, citizenship is, are you using the skills that this country gave you to fight for truth, freedom, and health? And are you, that, and are you illuminating that? Now, if you look back at 2020, look what fucker Carlson did. Here, I'm in probably the most important lawsuit of many centuries in the United States, a US Senate federal candidate being deplatformed off Twitter for exposing the censorship infrastructure that I discovered in 2020. And for that deplatforming, I was thrown off Twitter. And I had to go file my own lawsuits. We informed Tucker Carlson, we told Glenn Greenwald, they could have fucking used their megaphone as quote unquote patriots to help us in 2020. They waited two years. And they did a CIA psychological operation with all these idiots, the Twitter That's files. No, that's exactly right. And that's in, in essence what I'm alluding to with what their role in all of this is, which is that they are the functional extension of the deep state. And the Definitely. Apparatus, Definitely, man. Which, which, Definitely. which have been put forward in order to over an elongation of your increasing success, because I've, I've read your books, uh, which I'd recommend for other people to check out as well. And it does really get in down to how engineering systems is something that the elite have understood for a long time. And it's the mechanism by which they've gone about subverting any legitimate or organic movement to the contrary of their dominion. And where we're at right now, it almost seems as if they've planned for some incremental kind of molecular expansion of success because it's an inevitability. And so that's what I mean when I allude to the idea of people like Fauci, who's a monster, uh, my nickname for him is Fauci, you know, and, and all of these other people that you regard as the not so obvious establishment, they are an uphill battle to reveal because people have been so deeply wedded emotionally to them in the world wrestling kind of mantra that they aren't able to conceive of the depths of sophistication still lurking as the real monster behind them. And so John Titus, who uh, hosts uh, Money and Markets with Castro Austin Fritz over at the Solari Report, he describes them as chew toys which is in essence that which is put to the forefront for us to put our energy upon them and simultaneously insulate the hidden hand behind them. So that's that's what I was alluding to as as kind of like the elongated construction of what we're up against, both in the short term revealing the not so obvious establishment and also in the long term of trying to get people to wrap their heads around the very deeply, deeply enmeshed uh, parasitic systems that have been uh, ushered, ushered into, into the, the forefront, forefront from cradle to grave. Yeah, I'm, I think Look, um, these concepts are not intuitive concepts. Yep. You have to study this. Mm -hmm. And what, you know, it's been my long journey. You know, it's very personal for me. Um, it's not something theoretical. Yep. You know, 
having been exposed to the caste system, which is a very fucked up system in India, which still exists, and having experienced that, I was very moved to want to understand political systems. I was very moved to want to understand medical systems, right? But systems. And, and uh, you know, when I saw in, in, as a 17-year-old kid when I came to MIT, that's when uh, Mondale was running against Reagan. And again, this was, oh, my God, the world is going to be horrible. They, by the way, they used a lot of ur urgency. We have to vote for Reagan. We have to vote for Mondale. And there's this other guy that the media gave a lot of attention to called Jesse Jackson. Jesse Jackson. If you remember. You remember. He, he was running something called the Rainbow Movement. And he was bringing everyone together against the quote-unquote establishment. And he was... You know, if you go back to that grid, he was the left, not so obvious establishment. So the left wing, he was created, manufactured, and on the floor of the Democratic Convention, he tells everyone to say, yeah, we built a movement, but we have to vote for the lesser of two evils, which was Mondale, right? And so when you experience that, then you have to realize, wait a minute, this guy just bamboozled us. And most people say, oh, okay, he bamboozled us. I guess Jesse had to do that. But you have to go deeper into that. And as a student of system science, I went deeper into that. And you start recognizing that grid I just showed you, right? You have the left and the right, the obvious and the not so obvious. And you realize that they have this, in probably in some war room strategy, they have a diagram like this. They go, holy shit, we have a vacuum over here on the right. And that is why Trump was very, very important to the establishment. They, they didn't have, they had sort of burned through the Tea Party, you know, burned through Ron mm -hmm. Paul, and they needed a right wing. They, didn't, they had the shoulders of the right, the obvious establishment, but they didn't have a right wing anymore. So yeah. Trump was created to fulfill fill this gap. On the left, they already had Bernie Sanders and AOC, and then now you have the idiot Kennedy over there, right? But now you created Trump, and Trump's role was a very specific one. And anyone should study Trump. Go look at his background. You know, he comes from as swarm as you can. Um, he has no intention of locking anyone up. He has no intention of draining the swamp. He has no intention of building any wall. These are just beautiful Madison Avenue crafted slogans that are input into the masses because they have done, if you study control systems, and we should... I, I want to play it for you guys a little video, right? So people understand what we're doing here. But when you study control system science, which is what the elites learn, they know this in, inside and out. And that's why the video I did yesterday was saying, if you don't learn system science in, in 2024, you're fucked, or 2023. Because the elites know the two principles of observability and controllability. They, have to, they get enough data to observe the directionality of where people are going. And then they, they can control it. So they realized after Obama that, wait a minute, the working class, particularly the white working class in the United States, 57% of people who later voted for Trump, voted for Obama was breaking. They were realizing that they got bamboozled again. Obama was supposed to be the hope. He was supposed to help working people. But on 2008, remember that midnight hour, he sold out working people and he saved the big banks. So working people were pissed, particularly the white working class. So they needed a white dude, so they create Trump. And Trump's role was to basically castrate that white working class so they wouldn't do anything for four years. So they would allow interest rates to be kept artificially low, right? They would allow 
a quote-unquote pandemic to take place. They would allow a lockdown to take place. They would allow the, you know, uh, rising of pharmaceutical companies, which are basically going into the dust. And they needed this fucking guy, Trump. And he spoke all the words like an actor. And then you had the Q fucking idiots who basically excused Trump for all of his frailties and said, wait, 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 nothing happened. All the plan, the plan was to, to let Trump execute it, the plan for the elites. That was the plan. So... No, no. Yeah, I mean, I mean, the, the thing is, you see, they are very, very clever. And that's why in 2023 and 2024, when we decided to run, they have a serious fucking problem now, because in 2020, about a half a billion people got to see my videos. They said, hey, wait a minute, this guy seems like he's pretty intelligent he seems like he's saying the right things and he's telling us the right things at the right time now fast forward three years later they created a bunch in fact they found went and found a bunch of brown guys like this piece of shit vivek right or even jay Bhuttacharya, a doctor who was promoting lockdowns in early 2020 then they promote him as a fighter against the establishment well you're out of stanford stanford is cia headquarters you know um and this dude whatever you want to call him, Vivek, I call him a piece of shit. Um, he's a fucking car salesman. And they went and found a brown Indian Brahmin guy, directly opposite to me, a low caste guy. People like him would spit on us in India. Absolute, you know, guy dedicated to discriminate. One day he says he's for Juneteenth, the next day he says he's against. One day he says, said he was for masks, and now he's against masks, you see? And so on. So they find these assholes to manipulate, and they're like characters. They say, oh my God, Dr. Shiva, this brown guy is getting a lot. Let's find a couple of other brown guys. In fact, they found three brown guys. This guy, Malothra, a doctor in UK, who was silent in 2020, a cardiologist. And then after his father dies, now he's against the vaccines. Oh, so you're a selfish fucking doctor. You don't give a fuck about anyone else but your family, right? And Bhuttacharya was promoting, he wrote a paper promoting lockdowns. No one wants to talk about that. Or this guy Vivek. So you can see they literally do a casting call to divert attention from the real guy who put the shit out there, busted his ass. Trump looked at, took all of our election integrity work, made a half a billion dollars off of it. Trump, um, Fau uh, Kennedy took all the stuff that we said against Fauci, then goes writes a book on it. And all these doctors who <laughs> two months ago, a month ago, now they did a petition to fire Fauci. Well, we fucking did that in 2020. Where the fuck were you? So they do delayed truth. They do limited hangouts. And the, this is a CIA operation technique. But the problem they have is I exist, our movement exists, and we will be handing out flyers like these on the ground. So they're fucked. You, uh, you mentioned... Elon Musk not responding to you in regard to the back door that's on Twitter and every other social media app. And this is something that we've talked about for I since Facebook, since like 2010, 2011, something like that, because it was disclosed multiple times. Uh, it, WikiLeaks, Cryptome, Pirate Bay, all sorts of internal documents that are still, at least on Cryptome and Pirate Bay, you can go and look at them right now that have discussed it in very plain English the relationship 
that uh, all social media companies have with not just U.S. intelligence, but Five Eyes intelligence and various other intelligence agencies uh, around the world. There's a zero space between the way that the state functions and the way that big tech, big pharma, the media, academia, all of these industries, they're, they're just a homunculus of tyranny. And in order to decouple ourselves from that, in addition to understanding how the systems work, there, there has to be uh, at least a, a handful of different parallel or competitive or counter systems that we're discussing as real-time solutions to what this homunculus is. And I'm curious as to what your your ideas are regarding, you know, outside of or re to in order to decentralize. I guess if we're talking about decentralization, if we're talking about decoupling from these institutions, what's the pathway to do that when all of them are part of the same federal blob? Yeah. So um, let me answer that by saying. Um, you're asking a very, very important question. I have the answer for that, right? It's been sort of my life journey to figure out that. So I want you to take a um, very, very practical approach here, okay? Um, and by the way, before I, I have a, uh, I, I think I could share on your site, right? Yep. I, I do want to do a couple of things, guys. I want to share the winbackfreedom.com, the infrastructure that we discovered in 2020 that exposed the entire government alliance. I do want to, uh, I, is it okay if I play a video on uh, what the Truth Freedom Health System is? Is that all right? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so we'll, we'll do that. But let me just play that first right now. And let me share my screen so I can play that for you. And then I want to answer your very, very important question. Your fundamental question is you have this homonucleus, right, which is this entire swarm, right? How do you basically use, use the word decouple from that, right? Um, but let me play this for you because the first thing I want to sh talk about is that at a fundamental level, yeah, we, we'll come back to this diagram, then we stop presenting that. At a fundamental level, we need to understand that everything we see around us was created by other human beings coming together, having an idea of what they wanted to create, figuring out processes, methodologies. A very good board member of mine many, many years ago um, said, you know, if you open up a rocket, what is the rocket science to take a rocket off the ground? The rocket science is all these little, little things people figured out over many years, right? Okay, you got to put a capacitor there, then you got to do this, you got to, right? It's a whole bunch of things that you can't even fathom how much millions of man hours of human labor went into that. But once we said, hey, we wanted to get off the ground, we, we created this rocket, we understood physics, but you had to mobilize all these people to create it. Now, if you want to create a system which creates a systems overhaul, which revolutionizes the existing system in a fundamental way, it's not gonna happen at all without first a scientific engineering theory on how you do that and then mobilizing people. Does that make sense? You can't do that in anything. I mean, you, I, mean I keep giving the example of the iPhone. This iPhone was not created, okay? Um, uh, by just someone saying, oh, I want to philosophically do it. This iPhone was created by a lot of hardworking engineers, scientists, 
dedicated people. Some shit didn't work. They had to go back. They had to refine. Anyone who's created anything, built anything, knows the amount of effort it takes to make anything. You know, a plumber knows it. A, a sculptor knows it, right? Um, but you have a large majority of people who want to change something, but they haven't gone through that process. So number one, you have to have a revolutionary science to create a revolution, and then you need to mobilize people. Um, so let me play this video for you because I, I want to play this videos because it took me many, many years to understand this and then put together the curriculum, enable people to do this, but without this, we're fucked because the elites understand these principles. Um, so let me play this for you. I think I have to share my screen. Let me share my screen with you guys. I think you'll be able to hear it. John, should they be able to hear it if I share my screen? There's a yeah. little box at the bottom to check. Right. To share, to I did that. So let me play this video here. Um, so here we go. So this is what I call the video that really explains what truth, freedom, and health is. Here we go. We have allowed our country to be taken over from within. And the end goal is you will have a homogenized world where we will become slaves. Because there is a condition among the elites that really thinks they're better than you deep down inside them that you don't deserve the freedoms you have. They don't. This reality is what people need to wake up to and we need to all unite working people. There's only one movement that can do that. And that is the movement that we started creating here in Massachusetts, the movement for truth, freedom and health. Look, I've been a student of politics since I was a four year old kid studying revolutionary movements, left wing, right wing. There's a physics, there's a nuclear science to destroying the establishment. To build a bridge, you need to understand Newton's equation. You need to understand the laws of gravity. You need to understand Poisson's ratio. There is a way to build a revolution. And that's why I put this together. My goal is to train a army of truth, freedom and health leaders. We don't need followers like social media, we need leaders, but they need training because the educational system does not teach them history, nothing. So in three hours, that's what I've started doing. That's the solution. Wow. We gotta train people. First with understanding what a system is, the dynamics of all systems that affect nature. The second is understanding the interconnection between truth, freedom and health. Freedom is the ability to move freely, communicate freely, talk freely. Without freedom, you cannot convert ideas hypothesis into truth, which is science. And without freedom, you can't really get to truth. And without truth, you make up fake problems and fake solutions, which means you destroy our health. And without health, which is the infrastructure of us and our body, you can't fight for freedom. Truth, freedom, health. Third concept is it has to be bottoms up. Working people, people who work uniting. And what the right wing has done is whenever you say working people unite, that must be communist. Meanwhile, they've let the Democrats run unions, which suppress workers, completely corrupt. But when you look at the arc of American history, it's been when working people came up. We need to go local. Every solution I'm coming up with as a part of this movement, we're giving the science, which is the truth, and then we tell people what they can do on the ground. Like with election fraud, you don't need to wait for some lawyer. Our goal is to train people to go local, to go local, to go local, fight locally. Forget lawyers, forget politicians, Forget celebrities, you got to learn politics, and there is a science to it. They lock us down, we should be ready to shut them down. And the fourth part of this principle is the not-so-obvious establishment. So when you look at a system, there's always something that disturbs you from getting to your goal. Well, the biggest disturbance is the not-so-obvious establishment, which are those people who claim they're for you, on the left and the right, the Al Sharptons who tell black people I'm for you, the Tucker Carlsons. 
Do you think any true anti-establishment person will ever be on Fox or CNN? I don't think so. They both mislead working people back into the establishment. Without this solid understanding of political physics and theory, you're screwed. You're going to follow on the left wing, Bernie Sanders. Oh, he said something. Or Robert Kennedy. Scumbags. Or you're going to follow some right-wing talk show host. They're not going to lead us to liberation. It's us. We're building a bottoms-up movement. And that political physics, it's a nuclear science of change. Bottoms-up. We have to organize to understand that there is people who talk a good game and then look at what they actually do, left and right. I'm sorry, Sean Hannity may say some good things, but I don't see the urgency in his voice to get something done. And it can only come when you weaponize yourself with the right knowledge. You need to be able to identify a rat. You know, Christ didn't go after the Romans, right? It was the Pharisees and the Sadducees who screwed him up. His own, quote unquote, people. And that's where we're at. So these four concepts I've built into a curriculum where people can go to truthfreedomhelp.com and it's an educational program. We need to train people in political theory. You need to have physics. And I've created that curriculum. People need to get educated. We need to get educated fast. And within a half an hour, an hour, I can teach people two years of MIT control systems. I teach people those concepts. Then I apply it. Anyone can understand it. And then you say, oh, I got to build a bottoms up movement. They have to get politically astute and then they have to go locally and act, not sit there on social media. They have to act locally, defy locally, do civil obedience locally, but with knowledge on how to build a movement. And the Senate campaigns expanded to the movement for truth, freedom and health, and they can find it on truthfreedomhealth.com. So people can sign in, they can get access to a bunch of videos. If they want to take a course and become a truth, freedom, health leader, I offer a full scholarship there, but we want people to make a commitment that they'll study, that they'll get certified, that they'll go do activities on the ground. So go to truthfreedomhealth.com. I hope that helps you guys, right? So the reason I wanted to share that video is that if we really are serious about this, you know, decentralization, to really actually create a movement to fundamentally change things, we have to take a big step back and we have to say, what are the foundational principles? Because everything is a system. And if you look at truth, freedom, and health, when I, those words, and by the way, it's hard for me to go through all of that today, but when you study system science, and this was a discovery that I made during my Fulbright, when you take a bunch of MIT engineering courses, you learn these principles. And the principles you learn are transport, conversion, and storage, a movement of information, matter, and energy. And there's whole departments set up on that, right? Fluid mechanics, right? Um, electrodynamics. I mean, there's all these things that come up just from understanding the motion of objects, right? Then you have, which is what freedom is. Freedom is movement of information, matter, and energy. In physics, we call that transport or general system theory. Another phenomenon is it seems nature always is converting stuff from one form to another, right? Um, the sun is converting things. Your digestive process is converting something. Your laptop takes one plus two and it gives you two. It's, it's called a CPU. So this, it seems like nature is invariant. There's always some type of conversion process. And if you look at, if you and I and the four of us are having a discussion about why do we think you know this apple falls from a tree, right? We may have five different ideas 
and you want five different ideas. Um, and then you apply something called the scientific method. Okay, we test our ideas, right? You run experiments and you look if your experimental data matches your hypothesis. And if you do, the scientific method takes all these wacky ideas and out of this process of the scientific method, some of them are garbage. And what comes out of that, you say, hey, that looks pretty good. That looks like that may be true, right? Um, you know, F equals G times M1 times M2 over R squared. It looks like that can describe the gravitational force between two bodies, for example, right? It may be proven wrong. So truth is really a process. It really should be a verb. It's a conversion process. Yes. And then you have, and then you have the, infrastructure the infrastructure that exists to support all of this. And that in system science, we call that storage or structure. So you have transport, conversion, storage, and structure. Your body right now, the reason you're able, you don't just sink like a blob into your chair, you have a skeletal structure, right? Um, the, this building holds itself up because of the infrastructure, right, the beams. Um, your health is your infrastructure of you. So you see, I went back to foundational theory, like deep, deep, deep system science. And by the way, these three principles show up in Indian systems of medicine 10,000 years ago. And then I layered on intelligence systems. But I recognize that there would, and the reason if you go read the works of Lenin or you go read the works of Thomas Paine or John Locke, all these former, you could call revolutionaries, many of them were not engineering system scientists. So they had some good ideas, but many of them failed because their stuff was based on philosophical thinking, not on material science of how the world operated. And this is why humanity since the time of Pharaoh We've been slaves because we didn't have this fundamental knowledge. No different than thinking we couldn't fly or we couldn't have electricity. So I would, with all humility, say that that's what I've uncovered. And that's been this long journey. And with that uncovering now, we don't have to live in the dark. So getting back to your, your question, Steve, on decentralization, one of the processes, so if you're, so one of the things you identify in a, in a, uh, maybe I have it in system. I can show you in the book, right? So if you go take an engineering systems class, you will, you will learn after a couple of semesters. Uh, I don't know if you can see that, but that is called a, can you guys see that? That is called a control system, okay? You may see the words goal, controller, okay, input, output, transport, conversion, storage. The bottom there is over here is called a, um, where's my hand over here? right here, right right over here, is called the, uh, the uh, sensor, and you have disturbances. But these are the nine principles of any control system that an aeronautical engineer studies. And by the way, these things are what the elite study, okay? And when you understand these nine principles, you recognize that control systems, systems have a goal. And the issue to understand is what is our goal? What is really our goal? Now, the elites have a goal, which is maximizing power, profit, and control. And because they want to maximize power, profit, and control, they have figured out what inputs they will put into the system to get that output. No different than you saying, hey, I want to lose weight, right? What are the inputs you're going to put into your system? I'm going to exercise. I'm going to maybe um, not uh, eat, you know, a certain carbohydrates, so, so on. Excuse me. So, it, it's, it's, it's amazing science, right? So if we want to create a system for power, profit, control, what would we do? And the elites have figured that out. Well, we need censorship, right? 
We need, we need centralization of power. <coughs> they surely do not want decentralization, which is a very different kind of input that you would need if you wanted truth, freedom, health. If you want power, profit, and control, you're going to put very different kinds of inputs into the system. And that's what they've been doing. And these inputs involve, okay, we're going to present the not-so-obvious establishment. We're going to make sure that it's exclusive, the club. That's not inclusivity. And so you now have an actual physical way of looking at this. And so if we want truth, freedom, health, Steve, one of the principles is decentralization. Now people, and there's, there's a number of other inputs, but people always assume decentralization is the same as anarcho-syndicalism. Like decentralization means disorganization. And this has been, you know, if you go read the 20s, the works of Bakunin and sort of the libertarian philosophy, and it frankly hasn't gotten humanity anywhere. Decentralization means that you have a core DNA, and but that DNA or that view is not going to be imposed from central. You're going to spread it everywhere, right? And But the core DNA is still the, fundamentally the same. Um, decentralization doesn't mean you're a bunch of hippies just hanging out, which people tried in communes, and many of them failed because they had no organizational structure. Decentralization also doesn't mean you don't have some forms of hierarchy and organized structure. But the decentralization is very is, is also, the inputs into the system are also related to what we want. We want truth, freedom, and health. So for truth, freedom, and health, we want those people who actually want truth, freedom, and health running these productive, you know, seizing control of these means of production in a very fundamental way. So to think that Kennedy or Trump who are completely not into any of these things are going to care about these kinds of inputs, it's absurd. So we have to recognize that decentralization is one of the inputs into the system, but decentralization doesn't mean disorganization, which a lot of people sort of infantile, you know, change agents have. They have sort of these ideas. So we need to understand the physics. I put it together. It took me 50 years to do that. We need to create a movement. We need to be able to educate people. We need to have our own technologies. But ultimately, to think we're going to do this without a systems overhaul, you're out of your mind. We need to have a systems overhaul because this is where, without a systems overhaul, it's going, right? The lesser of two evils. And that's what they want. So, Dr. Shiva, I'm curious. can. Can freedom exist in a world that has government as a domineering control structure that in essence pits us against one another such that the only idea of liberation that we can conceive still falls within that terrarium in which we ourselves were conceived? Is freedom possible within that environment? Yeah, so you're, yeah that's a wonderful question. So the question is, is freedom possible with it? Look, um, if we, we have to, again, understand this, you know, in System and Revolution, I, it's not, you, you guys can go get this book. You, when people become warrior scholars, they get it. But I had to really step back and start to think about what is a revolution? Everyone uses that word, right? Like, what is revolution? Is it like burning down some building? Nah, that's not revolution. That's terrorism. Revolution ultimately is a raising in consciousness. And it's a movement of state. And in, 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 in systems theory, we would call it a phase transition. You move from this state of thinking to another state. Ice goes from ice to water, right? And these states of consciousness or states of matter, or states of information, matter, or energy, literally occur overnight. Mm -hmm. They don't like suddenly happen through long drawn out suffering. Once you realize, wait a minute, 
like this concept of the not-so-obvious establishment, the lights go off, right? Um, it's like the guy who came to our open house. He told us he'd seen this Kennedy uh, video with Joe Rogan, and he was so enamored because Rogan and Kennedy were, you know. And then he saw a video that I did exposing Kennedy and uh, Rogan, and he was very lucky to see that. And he said, holy shit, everything you said was absolutely true. I had cognitive dissonance. And literally overnight, he had to break free. So phase transitions occur overnight, epiphanies, right? Uh, if you look at people's fundamental changes in life, it's not some long drawn out process. A addict suddenly doesn't say, oh, I'm gonna go to AA and do this. None of that shit works. One day maybe he looks at his daughter's eyes and something moves him at a deep level and he says, shit, I don't wanna be a heroin addict anymore. Well, I don't wanna hurt my body because I wanna see my daughter. These kinds of transitions occur literally in very fast, they occur in light speed. So and that's a quantum leap that it's called it's called a phase transition. This is how transistors are created. Well, so, I wanted to inquire about the physics of that on a metaphysical level when it comes down to like the binding immutable nature of what objective morality is inherent to nature and how that will, in essence, sort of be a ceiling cap to our broadening of consciousness. And yeah, but let me let, that, let me go. But I want to answer your first question, though, on the government oh, sure, issue, sure, thank right? You. Great. So if you look at it, um, in the, if you look at these different phase transitions that occurred in society, one time we were hunter-gatherers, mm -hmm. another time we were feudal societies, a king, right, ran over and we were serfs. And another time now we live as wage slaves, right? You have to work to get a, a monetary income. In each of these phases of human existence, the relationship between you and I was very, very different in any one of these states. In one state, you may have been a king and I was the serf, right? But in the, in the hunter-gatherer society, there's, there's frankly a level of egalitarianism, right? A quote-unquote a primitive communism of sorts. There was no ownership of property. Women ran those societies. It was very, very decentralized by nature because the productive forces of eating where you were roaming around, right? Um, moving, right? You didn't stay in one location. When the feudal system started, we stayed in one location and you had to own a piece of land. So you may have had a piece of property, you got wives, you owned the wives became yours, your children became yours. And that's when the concept to answer your question, government comes into being, the concept of the state emerges. So it's fascinating, but you have to go back to consciousness. There was a period of time when we were nomads and our relationship to the earth was not owning it. The state of consciousness was, what do you mean I own the land? Like it didn't compute. But the day that we created the plow and we domesticated animals and you said, this is my land, then literally to your point and is that consciousness changes. Mm -hmm. Something physiologically happens in people's neurons. Oh, yeah. I own this land. When if you go read some of the Native American or the Dravidian or the Iroquois stuff, the concept of ownership did not exist. In fact, in the language I come from in deep South India, which is part of that ancient tradition of Dravidian, you always say, come to our home. In fact, it's very rude to use the word pronoun my or mine, okay? In, if you go look at Mongolian culture, right? Once you had your yurt and when, if you left it in the, and you went hunting and someone came in and ate all your food, you weren't like, oh my God, someone stole my food. You were actually very happy that someone ate your food. It was a communal culture because you didn't see this as mine, okay? Because you were nomadic, you moved and your Existence was based on collective organization. The ownership, the, the concept of property did not exist in your brain. 
which means ownership of privatized property, right? Now, you may have killed a deer and you may have your, you know, shawl or something, right, or your hat. But the concept of owning the air, that mountain is mine or that land, didn't exist in the human psyche. That consciousness changes when the feudal situation took place, right? I own my land. These are my cows. Because now you were not moving around. You were immobile in a particular location. So consciousness changes there, right? And then when we when the concept of traveling and the merchant class comes up, now a very different type of consciousness takes place, right? The concept of hiring people, right? Organizing labor. So we have to understand consciousness has changed throughout history with the dynamics of how we produce goods and services. So, and I, I believe this was, frankly, Marx made a lot of errors looking forward but these profound analysis by Karl Marx were, frankly, quite insightful. And you have to give him credit for that. He was the first one to connect the fact that states in consciousness change occur from how you produce goods and services. So if you're a scumbag and you're moving money around all day, right, you know, you are absolutely fine taking advantage of people and you think people are the masses are asses. And that's what Kennedy, Trump, Biden think. They actually hate human beings. And, you know, when I talk about these people are not patriots, they're not citizens, they have no sense of citizenship to one another. They think we're actually individuals to be exploited with messaging, and we can say anything to us, and then you can go do something else. And this is why Kennedy's so comfortable one day saying, yeah, I believe I am not uh, anti-vaccine, I'm pro-vaccine, I want to emphatically vaccinate the shit out of everyone. He says that, I want full vaccination of all Americans. And then another thing, he'll go speak to a bunch of women who had their, whatever, kids get vaccine injured. And he's saying, yeah, the Nuremberg Code is being violated. And in another instance, he's out there making sure making everyone who comes to his house is fully vaccinated. You see? So these people, everything is bullshit to them. They treat people consciously. If you were in Kennedy's brain or Trump's brain, he's looking at you and he sees you as how much money can he make out of you. Okay, I'm going to tell him I got indicted. Give me 10 million bucks. An old senior citizen who maybe has $400 in the bank account is giving this fucking billionaire who's got a half a billion, a billion, a check for a hundred bucks. And they hate you. And this is the state of consciousness that they're at. They see other humans or everything in the world as an asset to be exploited for maximization of power, profit, and control. You, as a working person, don't even think like this. You can't even fathom them thinking like this, no different than the Native American or the Dravidian who couldn't fathom that land being mine. It's, it, it doesn't compute. But to them, you are a asset that must be milked, exploited, and told whatever the hell you want to hear, but to get capital out of you. And they hate people who work for a living. They hate the fact that I did all those reports on the election systems. They hate the fact that I represented myself in court. They hate the fact that we win on fair grounds. They hate fair play because they're all fucking cheaters. And you have to really get this. They do not play fair, and they actually think it is a nobility not to play fair. Yeah. Well, like we were talking at the beginning of the show, the FDA trial that's going on right now over the ivermectin, and mm-hmm. uh, I've never heard this phrase before, but sovereign immunity is what the FDA has yes. to be able to spread. Never misinformation they want. There's no accountability whatsoever you know it's i, I mean, don't they, remember hey john i don't that mask paper 
that's right there. I don't recall the the, the King of America calling the FDA into the royal chamber and getting the sword out and and giving the FDA sovereignty. That's something that I, I you would think that they would have thrown apart. Right. So at least shown it on C-SPAN. Yeah, I think you're bringing up a great point. It's sometimes it's called qualified immunity or sovereign immunity. Okay. So let's look at you're bringing up a wonderful point because so go back to 2020, September 2020. Here we ran a phenomenal campaign, right? We had 3,000 volunteers. We won that election. And the Republican, in the Republican primary, um, cheated us. And the way they cheated us was that they worked with the Democrats and they flipped, you know, votes. And, and we proved that. They did that mathematically. But more importantly, um, when we exposed the fact that they deleted ballot images in Massachusetts, Right. I was thrown off Twitter. And then when I exposed that the government is the one who called Twitter, Twitter didn't do it because I exposed one of these government officials um, and that resulted in my deplatforming. OK, now let me the, the qualified immunity uh, issue. Let me share my uh, right here. So what if people go to winbackfreedom.com, I'm going to share this with you guys. OK. Um, let me share the screen here. Okay. So if you go to winbackfreedom.com, you know, we filed our lawsuit in September 2020 in courtroom exchange. We discovered that the government has a backdoor portal to Twitter. And that resulted in something even more profound as my lawsuit progressed. And by the way, I represented myself. And my lawsuit had a bunch of very, very important um, counts. One was I wanted to be put back on Twitter. But the other thing was I wanted to pierce qualified immunity, sovereign immunity, and actually have criminal charges against the Secretary of State, the lawyer and the government, right? And people say, oh, you can't do that. But you can pierce qualified immunity under certain predicates of law. And I had shown that. So this lawsuit, um, by the way, I represent myself against seven lawyers, three from Twitter, uh, three from the Secretary of State, and one from an organization called NASID. But when you go through this, um, what we uncovered, again, this is 2020, 2021. We uncovered the entire censorship infrastructure in the United States. And if I go down through this diagram, let me bring up the, I think it'll, uh, if I bring it up here, actually, can you guys still see it or no? No. Oh, okay. Well, we can still see your screen, but yeah. I don't so know. So let me, let me actually stay on this. Yeah. But what you, you can see this, right? Um, yeah. What you will discover is that the woman that I exposed, who was a government official, contacted Twitter. How did she contact Twitter? She used this entire backroom ap apparatus, which was funded by Zuckerberg, the Omidyars, uh, Pierre Omidyar, and the, the Murdochs. They created this backdoor portal, which is right here, which was allowed by CISA. They created playbooks. They created an entire infrastructure so government here could launder censorship to a nonprofit to deplatform a U.S. Senate candidate. Anyway, we, we brought this to bare view. But the importance of our lawsuit, when we go to it, bring it up here, is that you will see that in our lawsuit, we're naming uh, not only uh, Galvin, who's the Secretary of State, Michelle Tassinari is a legal counsel, these people are in the government, but we also name them in their personal capacity, you see that, and in their official capacity, okay? Because we wanted to pierce sovereign immunity and we had the predicates to do that. A very, very strong lawsuit uh, because we had uh, RICO in this, all right? So what happens?
Um, and by the way, everyone should go to winbackfreedom.com. Um, this lawsuit, not only did we, we get the first federal injunction against the government in federal court, we shared all of this with Fucker Carlson, who did nothing, um, and everyone should go see all of that. As this lawsuit is progressing, uh, we did many, many hundreds of videos. So we got this out to a couple of, you know, half a billion people on the planet saw our lawsuit, but we shared with Fucker Carlson, and that's what his name is, what we were doing. Look, we got this lawsuit. We discovered the backdoor portal. We got a major victory long before this Missouri versus Biden nonsense, okay? This is, look at the day, 2020. And Fucker didn't do anything, okay? Because he's, as you said, he's, He's okay, part. As you said, he's, he's, he's part he's of the part. government infrastructure. He's, okay, we won all of these things. We got a court ruling exposing the entire thing. Two years later, then he puts the intercept on, who stole our lawsuit, shared a little piece, of it, and he goes, "Oh my God!" Because this seems really important, which is for some reason being ignored. He ignored by you. Two years later, so why am I sharing this in your in relation to qualified immunity? The reason I'm sharing this is that in our lawsuit. We wanted to throw in jail and have these individuals, government officials, play, pay. And we had pierced, the suit was so strong, we said the government did it. They had violated the First Amendment. You see, in order to pierce qualified immunity, you have to show malice that they had done it knowing that they were violating a predicate of law. Well, all of them knew the First Amendment exists. All of them know that you're not supposed to shut down a U.S. Senate candidate in the middle of his Senate election, right? This is a well-known common sense, and they did that. Now, we got we won the first lawsuit, and the, the judge wanted to simply put me back on Twitter, but he wanted to drop all my claims against the government. And he said, oh, well, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to uh, issue Rule 11 against you. Rule 11 is you're bringing up frivolous claims. But they weren't frivolous because... They, he gave us the win on the preliminary injunction. He knew they were strong. Then he gave us a lawyer who said, oh, yeah, Shiva, look, you're going to be the biggest hero. Drop all your claims. You know, you're going to be the first guy back on Twitter. And I said, fuck off, because we've shown that the government has created this infrastructure, which, by the way, Trump is the one signed that into law. Trump is the one who created CISA on November 16th, 2018, which made all of that infrastructure possible. So we were able to pierce qualified immunity. The judge didn't want that. I'm sure Galvin contacted the judge to not do this. And I refused to do this. The judge wanted to penalize me with criminal, criminal, criminal prosecution. So we decided to walk away where we still got all the stuff in, but we're gonna take it against DH and CISA. Let me give you another example. Here's a paper I wrote in the middle of 2021 called Masks and Oral Health exposing scientifically what happens when you wear masks. Now we took this paper and we educated our movement, the Movement for Truth, Freedom and Health, educated hundreds of thousands of people all over the planet, and particularly in the United States and small school committees. And we said, look, if they're telling your child to wear a mask, this is how you're gonna beat them. You're gonna go share with them this scientific paper. You'll go to your school committee hearing and you'll share them this paper. And you'll videotape them sharing it because there's a ruling that came out in one of the Court of Appeals saying if a school official knowingly, knowingly passes rules that may cause harm to a child, then you could sue them in their individual capacity. You could pierce the veil of qualified immunity. So we would do that because we had figured out that per that Court of Appeals ruling, 
we would have mothers go to a school committee hearing and pass out the paper, scientific paper, right? And say, now you all know that masks may cause harm to my child. If you now pass a mask mandate, I can sue you and take away your car and your home. People would get scared shitless then. Okay, Chris? Because you're piercing their veil of qualified immunity. Now, qualified immunity was originally created for policemen and firefighters who in the course of duty, you know, they're going into a home and they accidentally put their ax through a thing and it hurts somebody, right? Kills somebody, right? Because they're doing it in the, in, in the fray of some massive event, right? Obviously, no one would be firemen and no one would be policemen if they knew they were always going to be sued in their personal capacity. But then qualified immunity was given to all government officials. Every government official has now qualified immunity. It was not meant for that. It was meant to protect people like a police officer. Maybe he accidentally shoots somebody, right? Then he's going to get sued in his personal capacity. To be to protect civil servants. Civil basically. servants, particularly first responders. Okay. Yeah. Then and it's been inverted and you got to apply to everyone. A secretary of state. Why the fuck should he get qualified immunity? You contact a Twitter to violate the First Amendment and throw off a U.S. Senate candidate. The grossest form. And you didn't. And you're a lawyer. You didn't study that in like fucking first year in law school. Right. So qualified immunity now has been applied to every dickhead who gets a government position. And that's not so, but we know how to pierce it. So if you combine science, so we would hand out this paper, we would teach people how to file the lawsuit. You see, that's what a real movement does, man. When we found out the election systems issues, 3,000 organizations we trained. We said, go to your town hall, ask for the participating voters list, ask for the vote count and match them where there are more votes than voters. That's a fucking movement, guys. Not Mike Lindell selling pillows all fucking day, you know? Fucking, a lot of these pricks made money off the fundamental work we did, you see? So this is why we have to build a bottoms up movement. Trump made a half a billion dollars off my work. And a lot of grifters came in, teased to your point, this, uh, they threw in wacko shit. This dude, Jovan fucking Pulitzer. You know, he was throwing, oh, there's bamboos in the ballots. This crazy shit. And the fundamental issues were forgotten chain of custody and signature verification. So the establishment knows how to do this. That's why we have to go bottoms up. It's the only way. Now, how do you do it bottoms up? You have to have the right theory. Well, what is that theory? We well, have to go to science. So if we're going to win, we have to be a warrior, you know, on the ground. You know, you'll see me distributing flyers like these and a scholar. You have to put the time in and understand this shit. You can't just wing it. Now, fortunately, everything's done. Um, we don't have to waste our time and follow a prick like Kennedy and say, oh, fuck, you know, he fucked me over. Oh, you know, I, I just realized he, he, he loves war, you know. He's, I mean, fucking Kennedy saying the same shit against the Palestinians that was said in 1948. It's a fucking Zionist racist hoodlum. Right, well, sir, you're you're so right. And on the notion of the necessary systems that we need in order to be able to speak to the science that we can then use from a grassroots up movement, I'm curious. Are you familiar with the Maharishi effect? Uh, you're talking about Maharishi Mahesh Yogi. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I uh, I don't know his effect, you know, but I remember him. Yeah. Okay, it's, it's not so much about the individual as it is the application of a particular non-material frame of mind, by uh -huh. which was the 
uh, World Peace Project. It's when they'd send advanced meditators to. A, I remember this. They went to inner cities and they all started yeah. meditating. Yeah. Yeah. So, and what that would do is reduce overall violent crime in a particular region, as well as the number of accidents, and it would increase holistic health overall. Right. So, in essence, the second point that I was trying to bring to the fore. And Maharishi was chased out of the United States, by the way. <laughs> he had to leave the U.S. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. They, they don't like people who actually solve things. Yeah. They've established that very he well. He was way ahead so of his times. Yeah. So it's, it's when we get into what the necessary systems are, that will at a certain point also become the metaphysical systems and the degree to which there are a great number of influences beyond the materialist realm that much of how we think has been confined by. Well, Tees, first of all, I don't, as an engineer and a scientist, and as someone who's experienced, you know, we could do a whole show on this. You know, mm -hmm. I've been a meditator since I was 12 years old, right? So I've experienced all these things that these rishis talk about. Every experience you can talk about, I've experienced those. But to me, they are very, they're all material, right? They're all spiritual. You know, when I wrote um, System and Revolution, you know what I, I said to heaven on earth, okay? Now, why did I say that? Because what's happened is you've had the spiritual worlds over here and you've had the engineering worlds, or you talk about religion and science, and they've always been antagonistic. The day that... Uh, Newton put forward the equations of motion the same day religion amped itself up. Why? Because according to Newton's view of the world, the world is very mechanistic because if you can predict the motion of a particle, you can predict everything, right? And in the world of Newton, the mechanistic world, you have time goes backward and forward, meaning once you understand F equals MA, I could predict the motion of a rocket but also I could predict where that rocket was. Time goes backward and forward. Now this was very problematic to the religious people like the Vatican, they said, holy shit, if Newton's laws are right, that means everything is predictable, right? In fact, you may be predictable, right? Because everything's a particle that's moving at some, you know, six degrees of motion, right? So religion came up as an antagonistic to this so-called mechanistic view of the world. Now, when system science really started coming up, there was a very profound change that took place because up until since the last 400 years, we've been thinking that the world, the scientific notion of the world is by a mechanistic view of the world. A mechanistic view meaning that A causes B, B causes C, D causes C, right? The work of Ilya Pergroni, who won the Nobel Prize for Physical Chemistry in 1957, showed something quite fascinating. In one of the experiments that uh, Pergroni had pointed out, there was an event where there was a relatively random set of molecules just spinning around. And suddenly, they ended up becoming white for a moment, and then black and white and black in a harmonic motion. So out of chaos, organization came. This is quite fascinating. So it turns out an organized mechanistic structure is a subset of actually chaos. Under certain conditions do we get mechanistic phenomenon, like the you know earth let's say rotating around the sun or the predictability but most of the world is actually very chaotic and so when you bring in system science you can actually you don't have to have this divisiveness right so you can actually start explaining oh when i have a thought that thought is a so you have all this chaos but a thought could go there and it could gel into some new superstructure mm -hmm. this is why when you meditate you go into a deep state of relaxation and you put a thought out and you manifest things. Yeah. And so you start recognizing that order comes out of a seeming chaos. 
And this, so therefore, system science actually can sort of, uh, you don't have to have this bifurcation of the material and the non-material world. They both can exist together. And you can understand that. So when you understand the principles of system science, is that you say, oh shit, I can understand how my body works. I can understand how that political system works. I can apply this to everything. Mm -hmm. And these systems principles are manifest in your body. They're manifest in every aspect of nature. So this is why the elites have understood this so well. But they use it to advance power, profit, control. And that is why, you know, this is what I really am very excited about as from a scientific standpoint. It's like I've actually cracked the code, man, how to, for us to win. Truth, freedom, and health. How to actually let the slaves get unenslaved. Do you feel as if there are contingencies on their end that they're ready to spring out in order to trigger that fear-based consciousness that they have relied yeah, on? Yeah, definitely. The system? Of course. Yeah. yeah, so this is going to now be a fight among mm -hmm. which engineer is going to win or yeah. which movement. Because, but the, pro the problem they have is there's only a few of them. Yeah. So that's why the efforts that they've done with system science is to make sure these – I mean, think about how, how a few people get 8 billion people to serve them. It's not, how does, I mean, if you think about, and the best analogy I keep giving is, if I wanted to start a big fire, two ways, or get a lot of heat, I could go cut down a billion trees and burn each piece of wood, okay? That's one way. Or, right, that's a very primitive way of doing it. Or I say, wow, suppose I could split an atom, a little piece, this much plutonium, right, this much uranium. I would get the same amount of energy as burning down a billion trees. Mm -hmm. Now, who's more powerful, the guy who knows how to split the atom or the guy through brute force is cutting down a bunch of trees? The guy, obviously, who knows how to split the atom. Because now you have figured out how to cause a fissional reaction, or if you want to go to even much more profound way, to bring two nuclei together. That's fusion, right? Mm -hmm. And that's what I'm saying that I've uncovered. What I've uncovered is how do we split the atom? but from a systems approach to revolutionary change. And what you uncover is splitting the atom here is you, 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 everyone raising their consciousness to understand these principles. And when you understand the principles, you realize, oh, they have a, they're always gonna try to detract me from building a bottoms up decentralized movement. Mm -hmm. That's their end goal. That's what the force of power, profit and control wanna do. So if you, want to, if you want to achieve truth, freedom, health, you have to keep the eye on the prize. I have to build a bottoms-up movement. I have to create leaders that are self-reliant, bottoms-up. That's a goal. That's a goal. Not fucking Kennedy. Not fucking Trump. If you want to be a fucking moron, go follow these fools. Or you want to bow down to them and you're getting some monetary views or clicks from supporting them. But that means you have no, you're, you're in their world. It's black and white. You're not in the world of truth, freedom, and health. But if you want to achieve truth, freedom, and health, you have to be dedicated to building a bottoms-up movement. Now, what does that require? Well, that requires everyone understanding these fucking scientific principles. And you don't need everyone. You get 10,000 people understanding them, it's game, set, match. It's over. Because now you've created enough people who can educate other people, right? And that's what we need. It's like saying, okay, one guy has learned Bernoulli's principle. One guy knows how to fly an airplane around. But how do you want to create an airplane system? You have to create enough aeronautical engineers. You have to create the transportation system. And that is, so you have to go down the core operating system of knowledge. The good news is it, it took me 50 years to put that together. 
We now have other people learning it, teaching it, and serving. Learn, teach, and serve. Because there's only one of me. And I keep giving this example. We have a woman who's an esthetician. You know? She has learned this MIT-type training. And she she was teaching a PhD out of the University of Chicago. So we've had to do a couple of technological innovations. How do you take this knowledge? How do you make it universally accessible? And how do you make it that can go viral so you learn it and you teach others? And that's and when you have a movement. You have a, a I, I don't remember the exact qualification for it, but uh, uh, in art, you, you have a degree in that, is that correct? In- I do, yeah, so my, so I have a de- my undergraduate degree is in electrical engineering computer science. I've always loved art and particularly design. Yeah, you know, so, so are you familiar deg- with biogeometry? I am, yep. Okay, excellent. So yep. that's in essence sort of the the upper echelon of our competency in a spiritual realm and using art as the mechanism to be able to uh, accent the bottoms up movement to be able to get everyone moving in the right direction. So I'm really happy to hear that that's something you're familiar with. Yeah, so, you know, biogeometry, you, you, you probably know biomimetics, right? Mm-hmm. So these are, so the bottom line is that um, there are fundamental principles that are invariant in nature and if everyone can learn those fundamental forces um, you have now created a very different kind of human being you've you've created a revolution in that individual Mm -hmm. and when when you have enough individuals getting that there's nothing they can fucking do it's over yep right you don't have to even you you go look at the early part of the revolution in russia there was no the the first there was black sunday where the idiots try to fight the czar, they failed. But the next revolution, there was no guns, the military, the army, the navy, everyone came to the side of the working people because their consciousness was raised. So the goal here is to raise people's consciousness and raising of consciousness, but not in some just, okay, I'm gonna sit here and meditate and you do this with me, bow down, give me some money, you know, you know whatever. You know, not the Indian guru tradition, okay? Because that has not gotten us anywhere. And nor is it to keep it in the hallowed halls of MIT and where you say, okay, I'm gonna teach you this, let's do some Laplace transforms. It is to merge heaven and earth. It is to merge east and west and to get people off their ass and getting on the ground and distributing a flyer. Because this flyer is a weapon. And the weapon is, I'm gonna go on the ground in front of a train station, put myself vulnerably out there and hand it off. Some people may crush it and throw it away. Other people say, wow, that's pretty cool. And they may put it on there and they may teach their kids, right? You cannot stop this, you know? When I talk about, you know, this, uh, you know, everyone knows I'm running for president, right? The reason I love these stupid bumper stickers is you put one of these on the back windshield of your car, 100,000 people see it. It's saying a big fuck you to Elon Musk, big fuck you to Mark Zuckerberg. It's my fucking car, and this is the guy I'm supporting. And this is my piece of paper, and I'm handing this out to people. We're going to have to go offline because all of these digital medium now are completely controlled and consolidated and centralized. You know, fortunately, we have our own data center here, which I built, right? The goal was we were all supposed to be the press. We were each supposed to have our own, be our own internet service provider, not reliant on Jeff Bezos, right? And that is where we, so if the working people run technology, we would create mesh networks. They control technology and they create create a few Googles and Facebooks, et cetera. So it's not technology's bad, which is a means of production, it's who's gonna own that means of production. And that has to be everyday working people. Well, how do we seize those that means of production? We're gonna need to have a systems overhaul.
Well, how do you get a systems overhaul? Well, it's not just going to happen because things get shitty. The more shittier it gets, things actually get more shittier. Well, the example you give for that in your book is that of a mool in India for milk production. Could you elaborate on that yeah. a little bit? Yeah, great, great thing. So uh, there are a few rare examples of people who have been able to do true bottoms-up organization. So, um, so very interesting. If you go to India, by the way, India is fascinating for a number of reasons. India has uneven development of capitalism, meaning you can go back 20 centuries in India. You can watch a scene and you can see cows, you can see rickshaws, you can see a Mercedes Benz, you can see freaking A380 Emirates plane flying over you, right? You see all of these things in one scene. But most of India was small decentralized communities. It was called the village community system, uh, to your point, Steve. So before the British came, before British colonialism, India was hundreds of thousands of small villages. And every village was a decentralized unit always run by women, believe it or not, right? The men did the hunting, right? The women typically ran management. Women are very good at managing a household, right? By epigenetics in some sense, right? Um, so structurally, there were small communities and they were called the village community system. There was no poverty. It makes, there was no uh, dissent people without land, except for maybe a few leper colonies. When the British came, they imposed a centralized top-down structure. They created poverty in India. They created famines, right? I mean, these infrastructures were quite resilient throughout India. In fact, the Iroquois were like that, right? So you had these very powerful decentralized systems. By, they were cellular systems. The British came and they created the Indian civil service. They created these top-down systems. Wherever they go, it's all about centralization. Wherever working people are, it's decentralization. Decentralization serves us, centralization serves them, right? So, um, so in India, every, typically every village has villagers and every villager has a cow. Now, why do they keep cows? Why do the Hindus, quote unquote Hindus, which is not a religion, by the way, it's a people of the Indus Valley, why do they make the cow sacred? Well, a cow is an amazing technology, okay? You feed it hay, you eat on banana leaves, you feed the banana leaves to the cow, the cow makes manure. You put the manure back in your fields. The cow makes amazing milk. You can actually use the urine. You can use the shit from the cow to create uh, holy ash, which you can use to keep bugs. I mean, the cow is an amazing machine. What idiot would say, kill the cow, right? The cow was your machine, right? You got the raw milk from it, which gave you healthy, you know, all sorts of fatty acids. Uh, you honored the cow. So in the old village community systems, Everyone would gather milk, right? They would typically use it as a household. When the dairy market came, uh, a group called AMUL, A-M-U-L, wanted to still support this bottoms-up movement. So in small villages, every villager would go collect the milk from their cow. They would bring it to a person in the village, and they created their own refrigeration systems, believe it or not. These villagers figured out how to create glass, big glass things with double thermos, okay? two pieces of glass, right? A thermos, essentially. So the villagers would collect their milk, give it to one person who aggregated it. That was called the village. The village went up to something called a panchayat, which is a set of villages aggregated together, which then went up to a, a taluk, to a district, etc. And they created this amazing way for villagers to distribute bottoms up their milk. And when cell phones came, every villager knew what the actual price was, so no one got screwed, okay? 
And if you still go to India, you will see Amul brand. It's not like, you know, uh, and it's all bottoms up, in many ways a truly socialized bottoms up form. When these idiots talk about socialism and communism, they're talking about Chinese quote unquote communism. They're talking about top down state capitalism. That is not communism. Communism in its ultimate stage is bottoms up. It is truly run by the people, for the people. You know, when they talk about communism, they're talking about uppercase communism, capital C, which is where the government has merged with the state. I'm sorry, the government has merged with the, you know, 1,000 top CEOs. That's and what it's they handed mean. down from there. What's that? And then it's handed and down. And it's controlled from, from there. From that. Yeah, so, 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 so Chinese communism is imagine if you took all the House of Representatives and all the Congress people or the House of Lords, right? And you literally made them the CEOs of the companies, the private companies. So that's called state capitalism. And that is what the United States is moving to. So when dickhead Musk says, oh, you know, the, the uh, Chinese and us are conjoined twins. We have so much in common. That's what they want to go to. They want to go to state capitalism and they'll call that communism. So when the right wing says, oh, we are against communism, well, they're talking about state capitalism, okay? But that's what they're actually headed towards, right? Wall Street and the union bosses merging together is state capitalism, right? And that's what's happened. Now, true communism, which no one wants to talk about. So my view is, you know, when we run our campaign, we're hitting the left from the left. Oh, you want to claim you're a fucking communist? Let's talk about real communism. Let's really talk about real communism. Let's implement real communism, which means working people seize their means of production. Working people, the proletariat, not the lumpen proletariat. That is what Bernie Sanders is. The lumpen proletariat are people who live off the state. They do not work. Now the lumpen proletariat were changed to proletariat. That's what a Marxist did. <laughs> you know, Marx wrote a whole essay on the lumpen proletariat. The people who are scumbags, you know, thieves, criminals, who live off welfare. Lenin said, and you know, he quoted Thessalonians, he said, he who shall not work shall be shot, okay? So the lumpen proletariat are who <coughs> the lefties have call the proletariat today, the workers. And they hate the real workers. So you want to talk, so I, I, we, we want, we'll hit the left from the left. Let's talk about workers' rights, true workers' rights, which means the person who actually makes something. <coughs> Excuse me. Too much talking. <laughs> Why don't you guys talk for a little while? You don't want to get that Bobby Kennedy voice going. Yeah. <laughs> um, <clears throat> hey, John, can you get me some water? Actually, I got a glass here. Let me just take a water break. The the left in America, at least the ones that we're we're engaged with online or uh, at I don't know various music festivals and or supermarkets, that left. The, they legitimately hate working people. And it is it, it's very interesting to encounter because you've got puffed up campus Marxists who legitimately believe Thanks, that they have an idea of what capitalism or communism or I don't know the, the, where their phone comes from. 
legitimately believe they have this figured out and have rarely, if ever, done manual labor or the kind of assembly work that, you know, stems from uh, an innovation, an idea that then gets researched and developed and then cobbled together uh, by, by various people. They're so far removed from that that it's an attack on their ideology or their theology if you try to discuss what a legitimate, you know, a, what a factory is or what a farm is or what where their food comes from, how many different hands, how many different touch points, yeah. all of these all of these concepts are so lost uh, and this does kind of speak to what you talked about with academia earlier that institution is being a fully captured vessel for what government narrative uh, and industry ideology is uh is one of the root problems for this mentality across whatever makes up i i don't know the whatever they call themselves these days, they need so many hyphens now and so many different modifiers to let you know what specific kind of lefty they are. The, the, it's self-parody at this point. Yeah, look, if we go back to, again, theory, right? The Those in power have created, so there's a set of people actually work. What is work? Work is you're putting in a certain amount of labor to produce something, right, a service or a product. Those people create value for society. They have created one group over here, if you want to use you know, the term lumpen proletariat, people who don't fucking work at all. Who <laughs> figured out how to scam the system? Begging, right? Scamming, right? Um, and then over on the other side, they've created a higher form of the lumpen proletariat. People who move money around like Jared Kushner, right? The celebrities. People own huge skyscrapers, right? who are dependent on low interest loans. They do not want a natural economy growing. So both extremes are in some ways, but you have the lump and proletariat. So when the lefties, which are really not lefties, if anything, they're part of the establishment, um, they're fake lefties in a sense, and you have fake righties too. But when they talk about, oh, I'm supporting workers' rights, they are talking about getting free shit for everyone not supporting worker. Their goal is to make sure people do not work. And that's a lump and proletariat. That's why when Marx died, Engels, Engels said that the worst people in the world are Marxists. Because the Marxists probably even haven't read even Marx. Um, Marx was of the opinion that it's about you and your creator having a direct relationship and the state should not exist at a very fundamental level, all right? Um, and work, when he said the workers unite, he's talking about the workers who actually come together, not a bunch of beggars, and a, not a bunch of Bernie Sanders who've never done work in their lives uniting. But that's what's happened. So the lumpen proletariat um, have no interest in truly building a revolutionary movement of any kind. They want to make sure they get free shit. And as long as they can get free shit, they're happy. And they, in fact, hate the, the working people in the middle. So you have the elites who hate the working people and the lump and proletariat hate the working people. And one wing, the other wing of the establishment, the right wing, talks about Jesus Christ and evangelicals and all this kind of shit when they don't even know anything Christ said. So my view is we must expose the left from the left and we must expose the right from the right. 
right? Okay, you want to talk about Christ. What did Christ really talk about? You should really go, and how did he live his life? 99% of his life was exposing the not-so-obvious establishment. It was a not-so-obvious establishment that cru crucified Christ, not the Romans, right? The Sadducees and the Pharisees. So there's a big lesson to be learned there. And so if you're an evangelical right-wing claiming Christ, why the fuck are you supporting Donald Trump? Like the guy, I mean, like even from a pure Christian standpoint, on so many levels, how can you endorse this guy? Ooh, I can answer this. Did you see the documentary The Family on Netflix a few years no, ago? No, I didn't. What is that about? It's a, a foundational. They're the people who put on the National Prayer Breakfast. They're one of the uh -huh. most, if not the most influential religious group in terms of, you know, sort of behind the scenes. But they have the apartments where all of the senators and representatives live for a little while in sort of like a dorm room setting and that kind of the active current serving members of Congress and the Senate do this. And uh, and their ideology is that, oh, if God has decided that this person has won the nomination for the party, then it's God's will that they be elected and whatever they've done in their life is okay with God because God oh, said Is that what they is that their fucking I am yeah hey I am I am not making this up. I know it sounds funny. I know it does. Yeah. But but I'm I'm actually not kidding. That's their their foundational belief is that you support the person because God wants them there, not because of anything that they've done or said. Yeah, so I mean I mean look so these people obviously do not understand any of the teachings of Christ or any type of spirituality because <laughs> if you really study this and you go down to recognizing, you know, there are three types of minds, three types of consciousness, right? You have this very, very uh, animalistic, instinctive consciousness, how the, how the brain works, right? Animals have it, right? Some humans have it. Uh, they're just, you know, react, right? They see a situation, they just react to it. Uh, animal smells something and he runs away, right? That's the instinctual mind. Another higher level or another part of the mind is called the intellectual mind or the rationalizing mind. Uh, lawyers have the intellectual mind, right? You're taught this in mathematics, right? You're taught this to, um, uh, you know, think with your brain in a very sort of rationalized way. That's why a lawyer can make a criminal look good, right? It's the intellectual part of our mind. It can be used for amazing things, but it can also be used for justifying whacked up shit. And then there's a higher form of the mind in the Indian tradition. Um, you know, it's, it, it's, it comes from your higher chakras. In the Christian tradition, it's called your Christ mind. All right, that's your intuitive mind. Now the intuitive mind is where you get ideas, you know, that are coming from within milliseconds of what's true and you cannot argue with them. It, it doesn't go to the intellectual mind. So if these idiots at the breakfast club are talking like this, the intellectual mind can be used for a lot of devilish things. The devil uses the rational intellectual mind. God operates on the intuitive mind, right? You get very, very powerful truths within milliseconds. Um, and these are beyond the intellect or the instinctive mind. So if that's how, Steve, these guys are talking, they're really demons, man, because they are rationalizing behavior patterns. And this is why, to, to me, that's the demonic nature of things. When you look at someone's actions and their thoughts and they don't, uh, sorry, their deeds, and they don't match up, and then you have some rationale why you are rationalizing why they don't match up. 
And these people actually do that on a day-to-day basis. So these people aren't fucking Christians. They're, they're part of, you know, they're devils. They're demons. And anyone who's a Christian who follows these breakfast club people, follows these evangelical people who are bullshitting them, right, is either part of a de- demonic cult, consciously or unconsciously, they're just fucking stupid. But... And- but and there's a lineage of this. You can go back to indulgences as granted by the Pope to allow the rich to get away with their sins. So that's something that's huh. deeply enmeshed in the cultural emergence of where we're sitting at in the contemporary. Yeah, and I bet you that's why, you know, when Megyn Kelly was interviewing Booby fucking Kennedy, she asks him, starts asking about these differences between people doing stuff in their personal lives and their public life. And he goes, well, you know... You know, personal integrity and public integrity are different. So he's openly telling you that he practices a form of devil worship, right? Because that's what it is. They're that's all, the Hillary Clinton. All of them. Soundbite. It is. She's, well, you know, do you have a public point of view or a public persona and a private one, too? It's, the, it's what they all have to operate on is we need you to buy our bullshit. Look, we all know. We all know it's marketing, so here's the good marketing. Right. Before the 2020 exactly, election, You're... we were talking with Whitney Webb, and she goes, look, I don't give a fuck what kind of bread you put on the shit sandwich. I don't. I don't care what kind of bread it is. I care that you're trying to give me a shit sandwich. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that's what's happened. So if you look at all of these fucking candidates, none of them know what citizenship is, and none of them are patriots. So if you go, you know, to me, citizenship is actual service. So what is citizenship? You know, what does it mean to be a real patriot? Citizenship begins with service. What did you contribute to the country you're living in? Did you actually support its citizens? Did you elevate people's consciousness? Did you actually make stuff? Did you help your neighbor? What did you actually do? And a part of citizenship is do your words match your deeds? Part of citizenship is did you tell the truth at the right time? Well, delayed truth is deadly. Did you act at the right time? And these are, to me, very fundamental things. Did you put your money where your mouth is? Now, let's take a fucking Kennedy. He's not a citizen of the United States. He's a citizen of the devil. He's not a real patriot. Because when, in 2020, lockdowns were being imposed on people, which resulted in $16 trillion worth of losses, he was promoting lockdowns. He was saying that we need lockdowns because they're going to save the environment. We need lockdowns because it's going to stop the spread of COVID. Donald Trump promoted lockdowns, right? Fauci promoted lockdowns. And in 2020, when it mattered, DeSantis promoted lockdowns. And all these other people promoted lockdowns. Who was the only person who served the public among this group? It was me. I was the first one to come out, you know, put my scientific reputation on the line. I said, these lockdowns are ridiculous. Let's take another look. What did Trump actually do to Hillary Clinton? I'm going to lock you up. Okay, now do what the fuck you... In fact, he said, I'm going to get special prosecutor, right? Go look at his videos. He did shit. Within 72 hours of being elected president, people are saying, lock her up. What did he say? He said, well, that was for the election. Now we move on. I mean, this is the kind of shit he said. That's not a citizen of the United States. Truly not presidential quality. That's not a patriot. All right, move forward to 2018. You have CISA, the Cybersecurity Infrastructure Security Agency gets created by Congress, unanimously voted by both unanimous consent on the Senate side. 
Congress shall pass no laws to bridge freedom of speech. That is written, right, December 15th, 1791. One of the most important phrases that's ever been said in humanity. Congress passes a law to bridge the freedom of speech and fucking Trump, make America great, signs it into law. And that's the infrastructure that we are all living under right now. None of these people are citizens in my view. All of those people should get the fuck out of the United States. Every person who voted for SISA, fucking Trump should get the fuck out. All these people, they're not citizens. They're not patriots. Well, here's the thing. Let me just finish. I just want to finish the thing. I want to give a couple. Let's go to fucker Carlson. In the heat of battle, we're in the trenches. We have discovered the censorship infrastructure that in the United States. We find it in federal court. We get an injunction. We write to fucker. He's got a big megaphone. He conceals it. That's not a citizen of the United States. That's not a real patriot. Glenn fucking Greenwald, a little dweeb who talks about, oh, I write about big tech. He had it. In 2020 is when the shit should have come out. But they all concealed it. They concealed the censorship infrastructure. They, they supported lockdowns. Election systems. Bare view, we find that they are deleting ballot images in the United States. We have them by the balls. We have the signature verification issues by the balls. What does fucking Trump do? He doesn't talk about that. He fucking cha-ching, cha-ching, cha-ching. He makes a half a billion dollars. I met with him for two hours. Where did this fucking money go? What the fuck did you do with this money? They came up with crazy shit and they hid the real issues. That's, you're not a fucking US citizen. You're not a patriot. Mike Lindell fucking sold pillows all day. He did wackadoodle shit. So you look at Elon Musk, he believes in apartheid South Africa. He believes in apartheid in the United States. Free speech will not equal free reach. Get the fuck out, Elon. You're not a US citizen. You're not a patriot. And all these other conservatives right now who wanna suck Elon's cock. Dinesh D'Souza, James Woods, up, name them all. All of them were bowing down to Elon. Oh, thank you very much, thank you very much. Really? He just fucking brought in a WEF whore to run Twitter and the backdoor portal exists. I discovered it, but you're bowing down to him because you want your views. You want to promote your fucking movies and your products. You're not a fucking patriot, James Woods. Same with fucking, fucking Kennedy saying, oh, we're fighting censorship, thank you, Elon. Are you fucking serious? These people are not United States citizens. They should all be thrown out the fuck out of this country. They're not patriots. Well, what they're doing is they're taking they're they're taking regular people's money through subscriptions, and they're helping Elon Musk reverse engineer and turn Twitter into WeChat, just like he said he wanted exactly, to do man. before he bought it. And when I said that on the show in real time and on the other shows for years going back, <laughs> going, hey, it, like before Twitter and all of that shit when people were still yeah every once in a while so elon musk would say something or do something or he'd stuff a dead hooker in the back of a sedan and shoot it into space or something like that and, and people would want to to stroke him for it and we're like this is the brain chip blood emerald fucking you know paypal guy this is the peter Thiel, piero video yeah, so guy let, let me let, let me just let me would get kicked for that let me just read you someone said i am an american citizen a daughter of the american revolution a christian and you are not superior to me well neither are you superior to me okay i don't give a fuck if you are a daughter 
of the, what did you do? The issue is what are you doing? You can't live How off your ex- How the fuck you if you're a daughter of the American Revolution? Yeah, so, you're on, what the fuck? Yeah, so the issue is what are you doing right now? And what are you doing as a Christian? If you, here, here's my litmus test if you're a citizen of the United States or a real patriot. If you are supporting Elon Musk and think he is fighting censorship, false, okay? That's one litmus test. If you support Zionism, and you think that it is okay to butcher the Palestinian people, you're not a patriot, you're not a citizen of the United States. If you believed in lockdowns, or you support people who supported lockdowns in 2020, like fucking Kennedy, then you're not a fucking citizen, you're not a patriot. Because you went against the American citizenry, $16 trillion was lost. So I have a very different d definition of citizen. And we need to go to a new definition of citizen. It says, what are you doing fucking now? Not like, well, I'm, I'm my father, my great, great, great grandfather fucking came off the Mayflower. Who the fuck cares? What are you doing now? That's like you're, you get the birth lottery. You get to be a patriot because you're great, great, great grandfather. It's bullshit. Well, what it's, are you doing so now? You're, you're so spot on. And uh, to pick up on some of what you've talked about with Elon, if you look at his grandfather, highly into the technocratic movement, you can look at a book written by a gentleman named Fritz Springmeier, who received eight years in jail for writing it. And he was, in essence, describing that the Kennedy bloodline was one of the inner sanctums of royalty. And so much of what you're describing does factor down to this being intergenerational criminal cartels. Exactly. They're intergenerational criminal cartels. The issue is what are you doing right now? Yep. There are people in the United States who are quote unquote natural born, who are living off the system, who haven't worked and who just live off the system. I would say get the fuck out. There are people living in the United States who have amassed so much wealth by being foreign agents to other countries. Get the fuck out. There are people with huge megaphones of media and they actively have suppressed what we discovered in 2020 of the backdoor portal. You're not a patriot. You're not a citizen. You actively supported lockdowns. We collected signatures to fire Fauci in 2020. All these doctors were quiet then. And then two years later, they're, oh yeah, Fauci's horrible. Well, the fucking guy's out of office, jackass. You didn't do anything then. So you're a pussy. You didn't say shit when you, you wanted to be silent when it mattered, when it, uh, when it mattered. And now you're talking, oh yeah, yeah, Fauci, now you're beating your chest. Shut the fuck up. The real citizens, the real patriots, put their butt on the line at the right time. Not just expose stuff. Fucker Carlson was texting all sorts of shit against, right, election fraud. It doesn't, and then when he saw the MAGA movement buy into it, then he goes out there, oh yeah, there's fraud. But the reason Fox News was gonna lose probably $4 billion was because of him, because they had defamation probably with malice because he didn't believe it. And then after he gets fired, he wants to act like a martyr, right? That is a fucker. That's why I call him fucker Carlson. So fucker Carlson is not a US citizen in my view. He doesn't believe services citizenship. He has no balls. He's part of the swarm. He's not a fucking patriot. These people hate America and they're fucking selfish. Musk hates America. They hate you. They hate the first amendment. Tucker Carlson hates America. You know, Joe Rogan fucking hates America. Donald Trump hates America, and Kennedy hates America. And you can go down the list. This little cabal of people are part of the swarm. They hate the fundamentals of the First Amendment. If they were, were patriots, they would be exposing what we expose and still exist, that the government 
and big tech are an unholy alliance. We don't have the fucking First Amendment. That's why, what's the solution? Well, go to Shiva for president, download a fucking flyer, go on the ground, you know, and hand it out to your friends and expose to them that little graph. That graph says it all. For the last 60 to 80 years, the establishment from the Kennedys to the Trump has been fucking you over and your children are gonna live, have a shorter lifespan than you. This is not a left or right problem. The lesser, choosing the lesser of two evils, you're gonna kill your children. Go get a fucking bumper sticker. You, you haven't had someone like me running for office? Well, I'm here. And we are truly the opposition. Put this out on the back of your car proudly. And that's a fuck you to them. And that's what we gotta do. We gotta go bottoms up. And people have to awaken to realize these people are not US citizens. I'm a naturalized citizen by the 14th Amendment. I have every right to run for president, be president. I don't give a fuck if you were, came off the Mayflower. You know, maybe you should go, get back on a boat and go back there because if you're still supporting people like Elon Musk, Robert fucking Kennedy, Donald Trump, and all these people, and you think they're fighting for you, they're part of the swarm. So be a real citizen. Expose these people at the right time and be a real patriot. Right now, the order of the day that we need to do is we need to expose the fundamental order of the day right now is to expose the fact that all of these people, people that I've mentioned, are part of the swarm. That's what really needs to be exposed. I uh, we we have to we have to wind down the show right now, Doctor Shiva. Thank you so much for your time. You should never trust anyone who shows up in dress pants and dress shoes to a Hell's Angels funeral. All right. And Tucker Carlson did that. He showed up to Sonny Barger's funeral in freaking khakis and dress shoes. The, that's how you tell who the Fed is at the Hells Angels funeral. <laughs> all right. That's like rule number one. You, you can't. You, you just, It's so sad. It really is. Um, all right, guys. Dr. Shiva, well, this is great. So much. Please let one more time let people know uh, yeah, so, uh, where they can so, where they can get in yeah, touch so, with you and so, what you have going. So here's a bunch of things people should do. But action, action, action. Number one, get off your butt. Go to truthfreedomhealth.com. Become a warrior scholar. You need that foundational knowledge. Don't be lazy. But if you are lazy, go to shivaforpresident.com and get a bumper sticker. Okay, and it's easy. Put it on the back windshield of your car. You're a walking billboard. A hundred thousand people will see you. And if you're a little more activist, go to shivaforpresident.com, go to the download section, get this amazing flyer and hand it out to millions of people because that is how we're gonna shatter the swarm. Shivaforpresident.com, truthfreedomhealth.com. You don't have, we've built the movement. You just need to grow it. Everything's done. We have the university, we have the community, we have all of it done. So you have no excuse unless you wanna be, you know, part of the swarm. But if you've seen this video, um, and you, you've seen this interview, there's no reason for you to compromise anymore. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Okay, be well, be the light. Thank you. Um, all right, everyone, I hope that was valuable. Uh, anyway, this is Dr. Shiva, I gotta sign off. But what you just uh, got today was an interview and what we really discussed as I end this uh, thing was, um, what is citizenship and who is a real patriot? So remember, Let's be real patriots. Let's be real citizens. Support Truth, Freedom, and Health. Support Dr. Shiva for president. And get off your butts and build this bottoms-up movement. We've created all the infrastructure for you. And as I sign off, as I normally do, I'd like to play our video for Shiva for president. And I'll be right back with probably a couple seconds. But you have actions that we need you to do. Go to truthfreedomhealth.com. By the way, Go to Shiva for president. We need you to volunteer, volunteer, volunteer. We need to get on the ballot in every state.
So help us do that. Who would have ever thought I'd be running for president of the United States of America? I was born a low caste untouchable in India's caste system, a system of aristocracy, oppression, and racism. My name is Dr. Shiva Ayadure. I'm an MIT PhD, a Fulbright scholar, a scientist, engineer, entrepreneur, and inventor. My family and I left India to come to America on my seventh birthday. I grew up in the working class neighborhoods of New Jersey, playing baseball, mowing lawns, painting houses, and coding software. My friends and neighbors are blacks, Italians, Irish, people of all races. As a 14-year-old, I wrote 50,000 lines of software code to create the world's first email system and was awarded the first U.S. copyright for email, recognizing me as its official inventor at a time when copyright was the only way to protect software inventions. I did that long before I ever came to MIT, revealing that big innovations can occur anytime, anyplace by anybody. Growing up, I saw politicians dividing us by race and religion in both America and India to have us fighting each other while they remained safe in their gated communities and in their playgrounds of Hollywood, Martha's Vineyard, and Silicon Valley. I'm a fighter. I fought racism and exposed their imperialist wars, fought for workers, and put my life on the line against global corruption. I never wanted to run for political office. All that changed when I saw working Americans as never before being duped by the establishment and the not-so-obvious establishment. Across left and right, we were being sold out and made to forget why we came to America and why America existed. Lawyers, academics, billionaires, celebrities and politicians, elites, Clintons, Kennedys, Bidens, Obamas, Bushes, black and white have hijacked America. They printed trillions for their friends. They delivered crumbling infrastructure, corruption and racism. They transferred trillions to themselves, dividing black and white, fear-mongering and fake science. Lockdowns and censorship, dirty air, food and water, pushing drugs upon us, making us sicker. We've been sold out. One set of rules for them and another for us. We deserve a warrior with a history of courage in putting everything on the line for you, who believes in you, not them, who has created a movement bottoms up for truth, freedom, health. I've exposed their lies at the right time, never waiting until it was popular. I've exposed their false gods who exist to lead you back to them. I've exposed their fake science of lockdowns and masking and provided you solutions to fight them and win and protect your immune system, saving millions. I exposed Fauci, galvanized the fire Fauci campaign when others remained silent. When they stole our election, we sued the government and Twitter in our historic 2020 federal lawsuit, exposing in bare view the government and big tech censorship infrastructure, the unholy alliance between government and social media companies. Where was Elon and his grifters? They stood by the sidelines and did nothing. They did not use their megaphones to help us when it could have made a big difference. Now our movement grows for truth, freedom, health, independent of all of them. Every day millions are learning the science of systems, the knowledge the elites do not want you to have, so you may learn how to think, stand up, and fight, independent of the establishment of left and right and their fake heroes. Now it's time for you to join the movement to win back America, to win back truth, win back freedom, win back your health. That's why I'm running for president of the United States. This race is about you. This race is about truth, freedom, health versus power, profit, control. We've had enough. They think we'll fall in line and vote again for their lawyers, celebrities, billionaires, and chosen ones from above. We choose our heroes from below, from the rank and file who do what is right at the right time, not when it's convenient and popular. They can never represent us. What America needs is a movement by the working people, for the working people, who are educated, organized, decentralized, and fight for independence from their systems of control. 
and that movement exists. It's ready for you. We don't need them. We need us to go bottoms up, neighbor to neighbor. My journey, your journey are all the same. It's our time. It's time we had one of us. It's time to win back truth, freedom, health, to win back America, be part of this historic movement, all the way to our victory on November 5th, 2024. If you're an American citizen, pledge your vote now for Dr. Shivaya Duray, the independent candidate for U.S. president. No matter where you live, you can be a part of this. Volunteer as little as 20 minutes a day. Don't delay. This is Dr. Shivaya Duray, and I approve this message. Paid for by Dr. Shiva for president. All right, everyone, simple action steps. Go go, go to shivaforpresident.com, get a bumper sticker, put it on the back windshield of your car. Go to shivaforpresident.com and get one of these flyers. And then finally, just remember that every Thursdays, we do something really powerful that you get to meet all these amazing people all over the world. Remember, we've created a movement now. It's a global movement. So every Thursday at 11 a.m. or 8 p.m., go to vashiva.com slash orientation and uh, sign up and you'll, it's, uh, there's no cost. You can come to meet a lot of people. Or, and at 8 p.m., I do something separately, shiverforpresident.com slash town hall. Go there and sign up for our town hall where we deliver you actual real solutions. We're not waiting to become president. You'll learn how to take care of your health. You'll learn how to support your finances, your own economy. You'll learn how to become a leader, governance. All those big topics, we have solutions here and now. So you don't have to wait uh, for me to become president. Obviously, by becoming president, we can do this much faster and sooner. But um, we're going to start delivering solutions here and now. So you'll get to see ours is probably the only campaign where the policies and the platform occur in real time. So anyway, everyone, be well, be the light. I wish you all a good night or uh, a good fight. Thank you.